Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of the World Extreme Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen P. Wood. I'm an acute care NP and fellow of extreme and wilderness medicine with World Extreme Medicine. I'm so glad you've chosen us as your source of wilderness and extreme medicine education. It's people like you that keep us doing what we do, which is delivering the best in wilderness and extreme medical education. I'm excited today to invite back a longtime friend and colleague, Mr. Scott Johnson. And Scott, is the Director of International Development with Solar Cool Technologies. He's a former manager of NGOs. He's a telemedicine expert. He's an ordained minister. Right now, you're working on a major project to bring EMR to Uganda. So, Scott, what do you do with all your free time? <laughs> well, once in a while, I get to sleep. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I like to wear a lot of hats and keep as busy as I can because um, I've only got so many days and way too many interests. No, so. but anything I left out, I know that uh, you, you've done so much in telemedicine and telehealth, um, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. But also, we want to talk about some of the work you're doing with refrigeration. And I'm looking outside yeah. my window right now here in Boston, and it's um, 15 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, so that's negative 3 degrees Celsius. Uh, so we don't have yeah. any refrigeration issues right now. Cold chain uh, is in our backyard. But I think, right. you know, when we think about, you know, we take, we, we take you know, uh, this for granted. Uh, yes, that we, we do. have, you know, refrigeration and that we can move vaccine, you know, all across right. our country. Uh, however, you know, that is not the case in the rest of the world. So tell us a little yeah. bit about what you're doing these days and, and, and what technologies uh, you're bringing to the forefront. Okay. Well, likewise, Steve, it is so uh, exciting to be back in connection with you. And I remember the World Extreme Conference in Boston that we co-hosted together with the group. And um, for all of you that are listening uh, kudos to the great work that you do and the extreme work. And um, I'm really hoping that what I share today uh, may make your lives a little less extreme uh, by bringing some technology to the forefront. So what happened was, uh, Steve, I got connected with uh, some guys just down the road here in Dayton, Ohio. I, I live in Ohio. And um, they had recently won a Innovation and Technology Award in Kenya for a solar-powered, freestanding cold shed. And it was one of the top 10 innovations at a post-harvest Congress that was in Nairobi. So they took all these technologies from across the world and, and Africa, and uh, this company was selected. And, and it was there for reducing post-harvest loss because anywhere from 30 to 50% of what people grow in developing countries is lost due to, to uh, the lack of refrigeration and um, market swamped with all kinds of produce. But as soon as I saw it, uh, doing the telemedicine work that I've done and being in Africa and a lot of countries, I immediately thought of the uh, medical aspects of having a solar-powered, freestanding cold shed with a clinic in the middle of nowhere and the game-changing possibility. So um, I talked with the directors and uh, the CEO, and they allowed me to come on as a vice president uh, for uh, international development. And um, Steve, I... This is so powerful because I realized that um, the United States back in, you know, 1800s, early 1900s, we had a lid on development and prosperity in our country 
until the um, the invention of the uh, chest uh, freezer with uh, the ice you know the ice man would go around and and put that in there and then uh, it just it just took off from there and then um, and then and then you have uh, air conditioning so I realized there's a lid on development and there's a lid on all kinds of things until you can get refrigeration in there so our motto is cold air from the Sun and um, and and then uh, this you know doing the work with this freestanding cold shed and it being solar powered but it can offer you know run off a of grid power if you wanted to it can run off a generator uh, we're doing a hybrid con uh, com, uh, conversion over in India where it's on solar but these sheds are set up along a route of a natural natural gas pipeline and so they're gonna put these tangents off the natural gas so in case you know monsoon uh, season you don't get all that sunlight well you can back it up with natural gas and, uh, and and to me, these, this is the game changer. But to keep moving further and further into that last mile, uh, and then uh, I got introduced to these guys with what's called phase change materials. So if you want to launch into that side of things, I'd be happy to to start talking about phase change because that's that's where some really really exciting things are are happening. You're making me think of my chemistry class, and I was and uh, sublimation. I'm, I think that was the mm -hmm. uh, phase change that we all, you know, got to, to yes. play with. You got a little bit of, uh, um, you know, dry ice, and that was yes. the exciting experiment of the day. You know, was yes. uh, playing around with dry ice. I think we probably <laughs> spent less time on the actual experiment, more time doing other things like putting it in the toilet and putting it in oh, yeah. you know, our yeah, all those kind of yeah. fun things. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that technology and what does that technology really bring to um, you know refrigeration and the opportunity to bring refrigeration to places that hasn't previously existed. Okay, so so for those that are not sure what phase change materials are, we call them PCMs in the in the industry. So I'm going to give you the technical definition. And then I'm going to tell you Scott's definition because I have to always dumb it down, Steve. So phase change materials called PCMs are substances that absorb and release thermal energy during the process of melting or freezing at a relatively constant temperature. And they're called phase change materials because they go from solid to a liquid state during a thermal cycling process. So all those technical people out there, that's the technical definition. Here's Scott's definition. You can take these PCMs and put it in a, a, a cartridge kind of thing. It's called a plate. They come in all kinds of sizes. You can put it in a freezer, and then you can put it into, once it's frozen, you can put it into containers of various sizes, and you can go hours with things either remaining frozen or cooled. And what a lot of people don't understand is that they can also release heat. So you can do phase change materials to heat, keep things warm, or you can keep them cold, or you can keep them frozen. And I'm talking about hours. Uh, I've got uh, all kinds of data sheets that I that I pulled off here. Um, you know, we can keep things frozen for 36 to 72 hours um, in these containers. So imagine. Um, you know, biological um, uh, parcels and specimens of blood that can be taken further and further 
into remote areas where the people that are uh, your audience are trying to bring medical uh, help. Um, we're, we're working on how these um, containers can be picked up by a drone and delivered into remote areas with drones. There's, um, they have payloads that can take uh, blood. So, so if there's a disaster or there's a need for transfusions, but the train is, is really horrible, they can, uh, they can uh, bring them in with drones. Or the one that I think is so exciting is uh, a backpack. So there's a backpack, Steve, that has two compartments. And you can put two separate PCMs in it because these are, are temperature uh, determined. So we can keep one um, compartment at a certain temperature because of the uh, vaccines, medicines, or whatever. And compartment number two could be kept at a completely different temperature depending on what you're trying to get into a more remote area. And you know, you know from the, your world travels and the people that are listening, there are some places that are accessible with just motorcycles. So, so part of what we're working on is to get into that last mile and use the backpacks and um, getting, getting those out there to a remote clinic or whatever. But at the remote clinic, then you have solar-powered refrigeration ready and waiting for the samples. So the old, you know, the old Pony Express? So we could keep relaying deeper and deeper into remote areas, but at the same time, we can bring things out. So that gets back to my interest in zoonotic research and infectious diseases. And so we can get samples where, you know, this animal-human interface is taking place and things are migrating over. And when they get blood samples from, you know, a pig or a bat or whatever, we can keep those cold at the right temperature all the way back in to, you know, a research center or whatever because out in the middle of nowhere, we've got refrigeration and even freezing capabilities all done with solar power. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's groundbreaking. It, it takes yeah. now, you know, it, it's the cold chain that, you know, we we don't think about that much in developed countries, but as a huge issue, you know, in the rest of the world. And that just is a game changer for these kind of things. This is a game changer for the delivery of medications uh, that need to be refrigerated right. uh, as and vaccines. But then mm -hmm. the other piece that you just mentioned is we really need to do a better job about, you know, uh, zoonotic, uh, yes. you know, infections and infection control. And, you know, work in that area has been, you know, is not easy because of those limitations, but this could actually really make, make some significant change in that regard for sure. Yeah, uh, Steve. What I what I've come to realize is that these guys that deal with phase change materials, um, they are I incredibly brilliant. And I I just want to throw this out here. Um, remember Gavin and uh, with the our, our disaster medicine and and when I talked with him about communications because he's done a lot of disaster stuff. I said, Steve, here's the problem: is that we we launch all this stuff in a, in a disaster and we're we're bringing in our water and our food and everything else, but we forget communication. And he started going to all more of these uh, things in D.C. and he goes, "You're right. That's the last thing that people think about." Well, what I want to do is put. Uh, refrigeration 
more at the forefront of a discussion for not only world extreme medicine, but for disaster response, which probably a lot of your people uh, are a part of. And if we could bring these people to the table, if we could bring them, for instance, to Edinburgh here in November and bring them to a table, I think some of the most incredible advances can be made because these guys would take your issues and your problems and develop the solution. Um, there, there is no boundary here. And phase change materials, I think, is a, is a paradigm shift. The problem is we get stovepiped, and, and I've been blessed to be able to work across different stovepipes and, and, and to bring this together because they're, they use this stuff in the International Space Station. They're, they're using it in all these different areas, but you don't know what you don't know, right? Uh, and, and, and the other thing that I want to share with your group before I, I get too far is that we can embed sensors in every one of these um, uh, boxes, courier things, and cold sheds so that we can maintain uh, accuracy of temperature from beginning to end. And you remember, you know, cold chain supply, when we were dealing with coronavirus and Pfizer is saying, oh, by the way, you're going to have to keep this at a ridiculously cold um, level and everybody's panicking because we had never really set up a system for that. Remember that? And, and even reports coming out that some of the integrity was lost in the cold chain because somebody wasn't monitoring to make sure that a viable vaccine had gotten to a destination. And that is a huge problem in developing countries, but you know, the vaccine gets out there and nobody's kept track along the route and they just give the vaccine, but it's, it's like giving a placebo because it's become, um, uh, this lost its integrity. So that's one of the things that really motivates me too. And they, uh, they have these on an iPhone. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, we, we, you know, we don't tend to think about that when you're, you know, living in a developed world where, you know, I remember the day the trucks pulled up with our vaccine at my hospital and how exciting mm -hmm. that was. Um, but yeah. even there we had loss, we had some loss. Um, I know other institutions did as well. Um, mm -hmm. Think about trying to drag that, you know, bring that to Haiti. We've both been there um, and yes. know yes. the limitations that, you know, that that country faces uh, and, you know, when we we can't stop a pandemic um if we're only focusing on you know developed countries mm -hmm. this is this is going to bring that kind of thing you know to a to the world stage um and when, when you think about insulin you think about blood products you know all the different yeah. vaccines that require some refrigeration um this is you know something that i think we tend to forget right that uh, you mentioned communications i never do because i've worked with you and others who put communication at the forefront of a disaster response starts with developing your communication mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, plus mm -hmm. we also forget storage and uh how yes. are you going to store your supplies store your food store your water make sure that you know the, these are um you know safe for consumption uh and mm -hmm. again it's it's something that we forget we focus on you know supplies but we don't focus on maintaining the integrity of those supplies sometimes and so that's yeah. an important piece yeah and and um and something that you uh, mentioned there about haiti um 
did you did you go down to Haiti right after the earthquake and help out? I wasn't there the I wasn't there in the initial phases. I was okay. I was down there, but it was a year later. Yeah, a year later. Okay. Well, year, just how yeah. just how crazy hot it is down there. So oh, guess yeah. what? They have and and some of your people that work in tropical areas will really uh, find this interesting. They have phased PCM vests that you take you take these inserts and you freeze them and then you put it into the pockets in this vest and you can have anywhere from two to four hours worth of cooling it with this vest and then uh with the other with the other uh, uh containers you can have replacements backed up to where you can have a whole day worth of cooling in this vest so so think about just being in these environments and what it would be like to be able to have your body cooled at a temperature that's that's um, comfortable but at the same time it's constant and 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 how that would reduce fatigue and things of that nature so again these are uh, well like that show macgyver these guys are refrigeration macgyvers and I think it would be electric to get a whole bunch of these uh, uh, world extreme medicine doctors and, and public health people into a room together and just say, I got this, I got that. And what these PCM guys could come up with, like, I'm going to get one of these vests. <laughs> I think I want one as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pasty yeah. white New Englander. And so when the temperature right. is about 75 degrees, I'm already, you know, wishing yeah. it was, yeah. I, yeah, I'll put my name down on the list. I'll order order. Okay, one. I would imagine. Can you also can you also heat? So can you also warm? Um, through those or is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I I actually I, I actually sent a text right before to find out um, if you could also heat, and I haven't I gotten an answer. But that's the great thing about these guys. Um, they're, they'll figure out if it, if they don't have it, they'll figure out a way. Uh, because they're solution driven. The company that, that we partnered with, Steve, by the way, um, has gotten a lot of awards. But one of the things is to, to help understand the integrity of this group, they've received funding from the Tata Foundation. And um, everything that they produce has data to back it up. They've got spreadsheets, they've got uh, they even know that, like with their PCM delivery trucks, if the door is open while someone's taking vegetables out or, or something out, if the door's open for five minutes, the temperature drops a certain amount, you close the door, or I mean the temperature goes up a certain amount, you close the door, and in X number of minutes, the temperature is back down to where you want it. They, they have done their due diligence, they're scientists, and their technicians so we're, we're really blessed to be a part of a group that's doing um, that kind of um, due diligence i guess you could call it yeah it's interesting and um the materials are these reusable materials so if you yeah. have these packs uh, can you reuse them refreeze them yes. how does how does that work yeah, so, so uh, the simplest term uh, for me is to say the gel packs that you use in medicine or you put in your cooler, you freeze it, and you put in your cooler, that's basically phase change material. But it does not release its heat. I mean, it doesn't release the coldness in a, a slow and deliberate um, 
way. It's so quick, you know. <laughs> but but these things are designed, and uh, they're put in these uh, these uh, clamshell kind of things, and uh, some are even in gel packs. But because they're PCMs that are um, uh, created in a certain way to keep in a temperature range, then they just slowly release that, and um, that's that's the difference that you get. But yes, they are reusable, and um, they have hard uh, hard shell case ones. They've got delivery ones. Like if you were to, um, like in these extreme areas, if you're pre-position a a, um, a cold room, because see, we can take we can take a room in a clinic and insulate and turn it into a cold room. So when you were t when you were talking ab about uh, Haiti, so an insulin. So after Hurricane Maria, we actually, our company bought a um, four by six plastic tool shed from Home Depot. We insulated it. We shipped it down to, to Puerto Rico with solar panels. And I, I think I sent you a picture, but we put it on the back of a trailer pulled by a Jeep into the mountains of Puerto Rico, set it up, and that's how they kept their insulin cold. There was a little village, a village of like 300 people, but 15, I think it was, were insulin dependent. So wow. we can turn almost anything into a cold shed, or we can take a room and insulate it and turn it into a cold room, and and all of it being uh, solar powered, and then it's pre-positioned to receive, you know, that relay uh, kind of thing. Now the other thing that we're working on right now is a. Um, like a think of a, a the, you know when you go into a hospital or something you got that glass front uh, pharmaceutical cooler sort of thing and you can look in and see the medicines so we are in the process of creating something like that using our um, our cold chain uh, our proprietary products to make that a solar powered so that we can we call it the refrigerated medical cabinets so in remote areas we can have a cabinet in a clinic or whatever and um and all totally run solar power cool to, stuff. To receive and, so you don't have I, to have a whole room i think another thing that you could you know we don't like to think about this piece but you know morgues are an important part of disaster management as well um and you know not having a morgue in, a, in an area you know that has a high number of deaths uh as you know becomes very problematic and it this that's another application um you know for for this kind of technology as well yeah uh, and then we've actually got a design yeah. we got a design for that steve do you really yeah yeah we, we we've designed it using uh the proprietary uh product that we have here at solar cool but with pcms so yeah we could we could turn um all, all kinds of things into mobile morgues and right. and we can then and then we can make it solar powered and the other thing about PCMs you know with a, a regular um, delivery trucks uh, with what's called the back end is called a reefer uh, so the only way to keep that cold is you got to keep the engine idling so you're you're just you know throwing all that carbon up there and you're running the diesel with PCMs we can park that truck and that will stay cold for hours, but 
we can also put out solar power so the truck remains idle but with the solar powered we can leave that in for days so one of my things and i don't know if anybody listening has connections i would love i would love the opportunity to work and making this possible in refugee camps mm, because yeah. um, there, there's so many things that could be done very very cost effective to provide refrigeration in refugee camps and as people are displaced you can move it from place to place and then just unhook it throughout the solar panels uh so speaking of of which uh what what have you what pro projects have uh been done with this technology are they are is it currently in use is this something that's been deployed and do you have any of uh, you know information around where it you know where it's been used how it's been used and yeah so yeah yeah the the initial success story was with with uh, india that's where um the first um a pilot was done and it was successfully done in the milk industry because you know from uh just biological milk has got to get cold pretty quick and uh and so what they did was they put the cold sheds out there in the in the dairy where the villages are and instead of the delivery uh, truck picking up the milk from person to person and the last guy's got milk that's just spoiled okay but they dump it all in and everything gets spoiled they put cold sheds out and then everybody brings their milk to the cold shed and then and then you've got one pickup point uh, that's one thing um used very successfully in the mango growing of kenya uh where we reduced post-harvest loss by 30 percent and uh that was very successful then um the actual the actual we call it the cube uh that's our cooling that has been used in in uh dozens of applications including get this godiva chocolates so our cooling device uh was put into a glass um you know like a glass counter display case and they would put the godiva chocolates in there but we kept that at a constant temperature uh, so we've used it with Godiva chocolates. We're actually, uh, we do a lot of work in uh, maintaining temperatures uh, that, that need to be in the um, uh, water purification systems. Uh, mm -hmm. There's something that, that our cube is used to uh, maintain that constant temperature that's needed to do something with that. But the other, the other thing that I think is really exciting is that we partnered with a company and as a person in the hospital the people in the cafeteria okay they had this one company has a big stainless steel uh, food cart and on one side it, the warm food is kept warm on the other side our uh, cube keeps the cold stuff cold so one cart two applications uh, cool so there's stuff. Yeah, so there's and if my CEO he was here, he could tell you uh, uh, of other other things uh, uh, where where it's been it's been used, and uh, our refrigeration uh, guru has done massive projects in refrigeration for our government, um, and so these these are the guys that just go okay, what more can we do with refrigeration, and how can we help? Yeah. And it's, these, you know, these are the topics that you know everyone. Uh, you everyone wants to talk about. You know the 
medicine part of extreme medicine, the mm -hmm. medicine part of disaster response. But these are the critically important pieces of those puzzles that um, aren't as sexy as, uh, you know, talking about the, the medical piece, but are just incredibly important. And, you know, just it, it's an interesting topic. It just really opens so many doors um, from the delivery of medications to, the, you know, uh, integrity of food to getting people access to vaccines, um, to morgue set up and much, much more. Um, I think the other piece of that, is, I'm definitely going to order a cooling vest for, for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice Christmas list. Uh, but then also, you know, the, uh, the ability to warm uh, things, you know, mm -hmm. that had some application for those of us who like to go out in the cold and who like to, uh, you know, um, work and in, in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, play in these cold environments. It seems like uh, it's just a really interesting technology, really opening, you know, some doors uh, for, you know, new technologies and, and new applications for these, for really what's an important, you know, uh, piece of a puzzle that's been missing, um, you know, for decades. Um, and if, you know, anyone who's worked in, you know, uh, developing countries uh, knows that, you know, the lack of refrigeration uh, plays a huge role in in health and in the health yeah. of a community and health of people. And so I think this work is just incredibly, incredibly important. Um, let's uh, we're, we're coming up on our on our um, on our time. Uh, but did you want to add, uh, you know, telemedicine has also been your uh, your area of interest for a long, long time. Uh, you were doing. I remember when we were working together uh, at uh, Be Like Brit, which has a, mm -hmm. an orphanage in Haiti. You were sending, um, you know, ultrasound photos. This is back in 2013. You were well, well ahead of that game, uh, and we saw how important you know telemedicine uh, became during COVID. We were actually using it even in my urban emergency department, um, facilitating you know some visits using an iPad. Simple as that. Any. Yeah. Uh, any any exciting work you're doing in that in that area? Uh, yeah, real real exciting, uh, Steve in uh, East Africa. Um, so uh, going going back uh, in in 2011 is when we did uh, the first uh, telemedicine in Kenya, and I was piloting a program, and I saw what a game changer that all was. And I've been like an evangelist of this thing ever since. So it took COVID for the rest of the world to wake up and realize this is a, a viable, amazing tool and so incredibly cost effective and global in reach. So now let's take this into developing countries and keep you know going deeper to that last mile. So that's what we're working on right now. Um, I'm partnering with the guys um, that... Uh, their, their platform is used on the International Space Station and SpaceX. And what we're looking at is um, to take uh, a model of a clinic that's off-grid, like the space station. It's got to be self-supportive, right? So with solar power, you create a grid. And the question then becomes, what can we do if we have solar power? Because that's what the International Space Station runs off of, right? All right, so we can create a, a, a space station kind of thing and drive refrigeration, drive telemedicine, drive e-banking, drive the communication, schooling, whatever we, you and I can do, we can do in that remote area 
because we have solar powered cell towers. There's solar powered um, uh, antennas to to uh, to catch satellite. And I don't know if you guys are uh, aware, but there's some exciting stuff because of these low orbiting satellites like Elon Musk is putting up and others. Uh, we are looking at what's called comms on the go uh, that on the top of an SUV is a, is a flat antenna and you will have continuous comms, high throughput comms while you're traveling. So these guys that are going to extreme areas, uh, there is a whole nother world. Uh, so we can do telemedicine almost anywhere because of this technology that has now become so inexpensive but but it's given us the throughput that we didn't have you know several years ago so that's a that's another conversation but that's the technology that to me would be exciting to again to bring to um to, to the group uh because now you see as long as i have connection i can connect to anybody around the world and with that solar power the many things we can do it's amazing. Yeah, it's, and it's environmentally environmentally friendly, right? We're Absolutely. Using solar power. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Increasingly important. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, the the conference is going to be in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, in November. I'm trying to get uh, them to bring it back here to Boston because, if you remember, uh, yes. we also won the World Series that year for the Boston yes. Red Sox. So, World Extreme Medicine brings a lot of good luck to our city. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much effort. Uh, I don't know how much my, you know, begging and pleading will will get me. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be a great conference. Uh, it seems like it's worlds away now, uh, but it's November will be here before we know yeah. it. And uh, yeah. let's, let's all hope that we have a different world uh, as November rolls around. Um, I'm certainly hoping to to attend again this year. Uh, maybe that will just bring us some luck, regardless. Uh, I, I'm ready. And, and Mark, if you're hearing this, please come back to America <laughs> and to Boston. <laughs> come back to Boston. Let us yeah. Yeah, we need another World Series here. Uh, well, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you. Uh, this is really interesting stuff. I'm going to include some links in the um, show notes because I think there's so much application you know, uh, for this kind of technology and a, such a need for this as well. Uh, it's environmentally, you know, friendly uh, and solar powered, which makes mm -hmm. it even more more applicable. Um, yeah. So that's, our, yeah. Well, thanks again, Scott. Um, that's our program for the day. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we look forward to you joining us again. For more content like this, you can visit our website at worldextrememedicine.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at World Extreme Med and on Instagram at World Extreme Medicine. Thank you again. Stay warm, stay safe, and explore. Thank you, Scott. If you've enjoyed this episode of the World Extreme Medicine podcast, please subscribe, like, and share. And if you want to meet lots of other risk-taking, rule-bending, and inspirational people, then you need to be in Edinburgh on the 19th to the 21st of November for this year's conference. Tickets are on sale now. Go to extrememedicineexpo.com to find out more.